this joy that uh, that I talk about in the book uh, is something that you can have at any time. And even if your day is bad, you just have to look around you and see who you can serve and then serve. And uh, that promise that God has made that he will provide you with joy is real. And so in the Book of Mormon, when it says that we exist to have joy uh, is, is true, it's real. And no matter what your circumstances are, you can have it if you put your own selfish needs aside and look for someone else to help and help them. So it's pretty easy. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. And if I sound a little bit happy as I uh, start this episode, it is because we are talking about joy, uh, something that I don't think that we, first of all, focus enough on, and second of all, have done enough episodes about here in the Cultural Hall. Who knows more about joy than uh, Ross Palfreyman? I don't know, and I think we're all about to find out together. Ross, welcome into the Cultural Hall. Uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Now, if people can see you, they can see a smile ear to ear. Uh, that probably just your demeanor, but is joy the very part of your life or were you one time, you know, as we think about the holidays, sort of the Scrooge, and then you had the night where you were visited by three ghosts and now you've switched and changed your tune? Um, I'm probably like everyone else. Uh, joy is something that comes and goes and uh, in my life. Uh, I had to give a talk in church over a decade ago. Uh, my son was going on a mission to Mexico. The bishop said, whatever you want to talk about. And I said, well, can you give me a little more direction? And he said, no, you, you're, uh, I wrote a book about my mission uh, some years back. And he said, you know, so you're, you know about missions. Just tell me what you think is important about it and the congregation, uh, what they might get from it. And it was around Christmas time. And I thought about it and more and more, I thought, you know, people who come home from their missions, they say, you know, best two years of my life. And sure. so I started thinking about, well, why is that that so many, you know, not everyone, but so many come back and say that. And I started to think, you know, about my own mission in Thailand. Uh, it was that I, I actually was worried about people besides myself and hmm. service to people. And then I started thinking, well, that's kind of like the Peace Corps and oftentimes the uh, people who served in the military. And I, so I started to focus on service. Then I started to think about the scriptures and how Christ said, uh, the way you find your life is you lose it in the service of others. Mm -hmm. And the two great commandments, uh, love God and love your neighbors. And uh, the idea came about that joy really comes about as we focus on the needs of others. And then I came up with this idea of, um, yeah, you need to care about other people. And then beyond that, I, I oftentimes would care about people, but then I wouldn't do anything. Yeah. So you have to show some compassion and uh, then you have to actually commit some charity. And when you do those things and you focus outwardly, joy is the blessing uh, that you get from God in return. And hmm. so that's really how that uh, came about. It didn't have anything to do with a particular religion, quite frankly, uh, or anything else. Just here's the deal from God, pretty clearly set forth in the New Testament. But we seem to get lost in it a lot. And I think I I fit that uh, uh, like a lot of people do. We, we yeah, it, joy is a good thing. But, man, there's so much trouble in the world and in my own life that uh, how do you get there? 
So oh. I want to push. I want to push on you a little bit more. I want to know because uh, some of what you described is like you know I, I sort of feel like it might be a charity thing or maybe even a peace thing. But if someone's like, "Hey, Ross Palferman, the joy man himself," how do you define joy? Like, like what what is the difference between joy and happiness or joy and peace? What what is this like joy? Okay, uh, I believe that joy comes from God. Okay. Uh, as as a blessing to us in our heart that uh, makes us feel good about things. Something that, as I wrote the book, uh, Joy and the Brambles, that I, I came to a little bit too, was that oftentimes when you're at a party or something and, and this group of people who had a fun event uh-huh. and they talk about it and they're laughing and they think, oh, this is great. And you're sitting there, you didn't participate. And you, you sit there and you think, oh, and they look at you and they say, well, you didn't get it. And yeah. they say, well, I guess you had to be there. Mm. And they're happy and everything's, you know, obviously they had a good time, but you weren't part of it. And they're saying, well, you had to be there. Whereas joy, oftentimes you hear wonderful stories of kindnesses that people provided to other people. And you start to well up and you start to feel the joy that came from that event that you were not involved in. Hmm. And it's more of an internal uh, uh, peace that God uh, presents to us as, as a uh, gift for the charity that you provided to one of his children. And so there is that difference. Um, Most of the time I I read my book oftentimes is uh, quotes Hmm. and scriptures and things like that. Sometimes I feel like it's more of a compilation than me being an author. Okay. And, uh, but I think a lot of people are very close to the idea of there is a difference, but they have a hard time describing what it is. And I think that a lot of times they say, well, it's deeper. It's a, you know, joy is a deeper meaning Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. deeper meaning than happiness. But I think what really helps us define the difference is the source of joy. Mm. The source of joy is God. And the source of happiness is our own inward efforts. We can exercise more and feel stronger. Uh, I like that. I don't do it very well, but I like it. Um, there, you know, I like pizza. I can eat uh, pizza every day. I'm sure. pretty happy about that. Sure. But it's different than joy because the source of it is I got my pizza. I wanted it. I like it. Uh, if I go out and I serve other people, uh, then that joy comes from God and not not from me. So I think that's the biggest distinction is the source. And because the source is different, because the source is God, uh, it's a deeper feeling. It's a more spiritual uh, event than happiness. Yeah. And I want to get more into the book in a little bit, but I want to do, I do want to talk about the other part of the title, but in the bramble, not everyone knows what a bramble is. Uh, I happen to know as a, as a young kid, um, my family, we would sing in the car, and there's a a a, a couple of lyrics from a song, uh, um, and now even the title of it is escaping me. But the lyrics go, "Well, they ran through the briar, and they ran through the bramble, and they ran through a place that a rabbit wouldn't go." Uh, and uh, and so I I sort of know, uh, you know, what a bramble is. Someone comes to that sort of ignorant. What is a bramble, and how is that? symbolic of finding joy within the bramble i've had several people say ross what kind of a dumb title is that for a book Uh, you know (laughs) bramble i don't know what that is i had to look it up yep uh so a bramble uh as that song lyric tells you pretty much 
is branches that come off of like blackberry bushes or raspberry bushes. And they've got these prickly little things on them. And you want to get to the blackberries and the raspberries, which I equate to joy. Mm-hmm. But you have to get through those prickly branches, those brambles. And I think what I, what I took from that as I was going through the brambles in my yard and picking blackberries and raspberries uh, was that in life we have all kinds of uh, challenges. Uh, people get sick around us. There are wars, uh, politics, even religion, uh, different things that we have uh, problems with uh, conceptually about religion. All these things can confuse us, can distract us from the fruit, which is joy. But mm-hmm. the fruit is there. And if you know it's there, uh, you can uh, be better, uh, better suited and uh, better prepared to actually get the fruit. And don't let the brambles get in the way, even though they are in the way. So you mentioned, you know, the book being kind of compilations and quotes and scriptures and those kind of things. I would be curious to know about a bramble, if you will, from your mission in Thailand and then the joy that came when you found your way through the bramble. And lest you think that that is going to be the only question of a, of a difficulty maybe that you've had in your life, we're going to other parts of your life as well. So that people can really, you know, be able to gain and trust that you even know what you're written about. All right. Uh, One of the brambles in life of of an immature 19-year-old missionary, Uh uh, halfway around the world, I played basketball at Southern Utah. um, And I, I had this, looking back, stupid notion that I was actually really healthy and strong. And and I had a double hernia in Thailand. Oh, geez. And I had to have a surgery on it. The doctor said it was like a Tuesday when I went to the doctor and he said, oh, it's not an emergency. Uh, you can come back Friday and we can do it. And so I called my mission president. And uh, to do that, in those days, you had to make an appointment at the phone station. And so I called him. He said, oh, my gosh, well, I'll, I'll get you down here. You're not going to get operated on up there. I was out in the woods. And uh, so it, it really was. um for me, a challenge to think that God was watching over me because why would he do this to me in in Thailand out in the middle of nowhere? Sure. So so the assistants came up and got me and we got on a train and right before the train, I did kneel down at my bed side and I, I, I said about a 15 second prayer because I didn't want to miss the train, (laughs) just saying, God help me through this. Uh, and that was about the extent of the prayer. I went down and up to that point, I was walking around with my um, scriptures under one arm and my hands in my pockets holding my intestines in because the hernias were quite large. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so that's how I walked around. And I got, uh, I got down to uh, Bangkok, went to a street meeting, I played on the uh, missions basketball team in a game. Um, I had my whole weekend and I just did everything. And then on Monday, I went into the, oh, Sunday night, I looked up the words for hernia and surgery and, you know, all these words that a missionary doesn't necessarily need to know. Unless yeah, it's he's not typically part of a, a testimony to say things like hernia and intestines. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I looked up all this stuff and I was quite nervous and so Monday morning, I go into the uh, uh, French hospital in Bangkok, and the uh, the doctor said, hey, how you doing? And I thought, whoa, what's that? And it turns out he went to medical school at Ohio State, and I, I felt uh, pretty good. 
So the next day, Tuesday, I had the surgery, but as I was being wheeled into the operating room, I remember there was an attendant at the head of my bed pushing, pushing me in. Mm -hmm. And I was laying there and for the first time, uh, I realized that somebody or something or some spirit had been there with me from the moment of that prayer forward. And I was able to uh, play basketball. I mean, I was walking around with my hands in my pockets up until then, uh, just so that I could walk. And I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it at all uh, until being wheeled in. And then I felt this presence. And I, I don't know, you know, what it was. My mom always said, "Oh, this is your guardian angel." Maybe it's a guardian. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was some spiritual event that I had that filled me uh, with this, uh, with this sense that. God really is there and he's watching over me and uh, he, he was letting me know that I was doing the right thing as a missionary. Now, all the little things that I did as a missionary, he probably wasn't too happy with a lot of those, <laughs> but the idea that I was a missionary, I was trying uh, my best as a 19 year old, which probably wasn't that great. And uh, I, I really felt blessed uh, that he was taking care of me. And the surgery went fine. I went back to work and everything was good. But that was one time on a mission when I felt like uh, God was there. I was doing my part to serve other people. And he uh, then was doing his part to bless my life with a with a richness that normally I, I don't feel. Um, so, so, so there's one. Yeah. So let me ask you a little bit about that then. So would you say, you know, given that sort of scenario, obviously the brambles is the physical, you know, those kind of things that you had to find your way through was the joy, the success of the surgery. Was it the awareness that there's a God who cares for you? Was it the actions which were able to bless the lives of the people of Thailand or was it all or none of that? I, I would say it was more the, the last one that you, uh, that you tendered, uh, and that was that I was doing a, a service to the people of Thailand, and he was grateful to me that I was on the other side of the world, hmm. uh, taking two years uh, to bless the lives of those people. Now, did I have huge success and you know baptize hundreds? Uh, no, no. Yeah. But but I was doing what I could do at that time to help other people. And my own life, um, I hadn't really realized or thought about too much, but my own life, I'd kind of put on hold. And I was blessed for that. And I think that's what it was. Hmm. Um, yeah, not that I was the most successful guy in the world or any of that. Interesting. Okay, well, I want to take a quick break real quick. When we come back in the second block, uh, we'll pick it right back up with Ross Palferman uh, coming back in the second block of the Cultural Hall. <laughs> bestdjinutah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a bestdjinutah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? 
And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at Best DJ in Utah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable, yes. Over 400 five-star reviews, yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah. Uh-huh, go on. It's Best djinutah.com and and I'll give you a little hint it it also helps me to be able to do this like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return imagine running a small business today it's challenging imaging and internet presence is an absolute must even with that you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe now imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients imagine Lennon design whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation advertising media and promotional materials Lennon design is your partner in business they'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember, you can always leave a review. You love this episode. You think, man, I love Ross. I love this idea of joy. Let's get more episodes like you had with Ross. You can do that and let us know uh, wherever you get this particular episode of the Cultural Hall. Likely it has some way for you to leave a review. You can tell other people, hey, I loved it. Or you can just copy that link, that share link, and send it to someone that maybe doesn't have enough joy in their life. Or someone that knew Ross back in the day in Thailand. Doesn't matter why you want to share it. We'd just love it if you would share it. Uh, Be sure that you do that so that it gets in the ears of more individuals. Now, uh, I like the uh, the kind of parable, if you'll allow me the term, of of fruit, right? That we would reach through the brambles to get the fruit um, and then be able to enjoy, man, there's nothing better, as you probably know, than a fresh blackberry or a fresh raspberry, right? You've gone and picked it and and you've, you know, likely in the scenario that we point in our mind, especially when talking about ad, uh adversity it's also hot and there's the brambles and we did it for a long time and there's all those things that sort of work against us i think that it's easy to uh to find the joy if we know what we're reaching toward if we know what the goal is and i think sometimes certainly human behavior or just individuals or just life we aren't even able to see the fruit. We just feel the brambles. What say you about that? Uh, I I think there's some truth to that, but I, I think that generally speaking, if you do uh, good deeds for someone, I, I'll give you an example and I put it in the book. Please. Um, the last story, because most of the stories are about other people. I found that as I was writing this, that I am not the best example of how to behave and treat people. Uh, so I used examples, uh, stories from other people. I have one one story in there about me that um, I, it was not so great. It ended up great because of my wife. There was a little deacon in our ward, and I was in the bishopric. And uh, our congregation had a fairly well-to-do section and a fairly poor section in the congregation. Mm. And this one boy uh, turned 12. He became a deacon, but he wasn't passing the sacrament. And I thought, what is that? And I sat there for a couple of weeks, and I... I looked at it and I thought, well, what's the problem? And I asked him, you know, how come you don't want to pass the sacrament or is there something going on? And 
And he said he was uh, in Levi's and a kind of a t-shirt thing. And he didn't feel right uh, because everyone else had their white shirts and ties. And, mm-hmm. and so being me, I thought, oh, well, that's too bad. And I went home. And uh, that night I was talking to my wife about it. She said, well, you can fix that. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you take him to the store and you buy him a white <laughs> shirt and a tie and you can fix that. And I thought, oh, you know, I bet I could. <laughs> and so I called him and I picked him up and I took him to the store. And it was such a wonderful feeling. I didn't just get him a white shirt and a tie, but I got him the slacks and the shoes, the whole thing. Uh-huh. And it was, I felt so good about it. Um, the next week, it was wonderful to sit up there and watch him pass the sacrament. And so uh, I have these three uh, three things uh, that you have to do to get to that joy. One is you have to care enough. And I was good at that. I cared. I looked at them. Uh, but I didn't take any compassion at all, which is the next thing. You know, think about, well, what can I do to help? And I didn't, that didn't even enter my mind until my wife said, well, you're an idiot. Just fix it. And uh, so I, I did. And the charity was to take him out and just take care of it. And then later the bishop asked, oh, well, that's nice. Did you want to get reimbursed for this? And I said, nah, I don't do enough good things for people. I let me enjoy this one. Um, so I think there are times out there when uh, you feel like you're doing good things, uh, but you don't reap the rewards. Rewards, But I think if you do them for the right reason, uh, if somebody doesn't say thank you or doesn't, uh, it doesn't respond in the way you think, uh, if you're approaching it the right way and you're just committing charity for the for the act itself, the joy has already come to you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about how people will respond to it. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll give someone a gift at their birthday or something and they didn't say thank you in the right way or whatever. And you go away grouse. Well, I should have never got that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's the wrong approach. The idea is you're serving someone else. And the service is what you're glad about, not their response. And if that's the way you were approaching it, then the joy comes to you in the act of service and not so much as in any response. The response, if it's appropriate, is great, but it doesn't, uh, it's not where the joy really comes from. It's from the service you provide. So God blesses your soul with this, uh, with this sense of peace. And it's, it's always been interesting to me when Christ said in the New Testament, peace I give give you, not as the world giveth give mm-hmm. unto you. And and to me, that's that's what we're talking about. God has this, this sense of peace, this joy that he can put in your soul, no matter what else, else is going on in the world around you. So you know, I, I hear uh I hear that story and my mind, you know, um thinking about the brambles that Christ then obviously faced and the joy that must have been brought to his life, being able to, I mean, very literally as we talk about fruits, the fruits of the world that we're able to, you know, have all that we have and and the cho- choices and agency and forgiveness and all the things that we're able to have because of uh, of Christ's um uh, joy, I guess, you know, that, that he was willing to do that. Uh, does it look that way? Is this, is this book, I'm going to very clearly go, man, this is a Christ centered kind of book or, or is it accessible joy universal, or is that both? Is that one and the same? So I think it's somewhat universal. So I'm an attorney and my first year as an attorney, I had a contracts class and they, they described for me, 
the difference between a unilateral contract and a bilateral contract. And a bilateral contract is a promise for a promise. And if you promise to each other, uh, I'm gonna, I'll build your house for $100,000 and you build the house, you can actually sue them if they don't pay the $100,000. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a promise for a promise. A promise for an act is a unilateral contract. And I, I kind of equate uh, God's promises to us as a unilateral contract. He says, if, if you lose yourself in the service of others, I will bless your life with joy. You'll be able to find your life. Pretty clear. But if you don't, I'm not going to punish you or wipe you out. I just, you don't get the joy. Here's, here's what you get. Now, if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it's much easier, right? Because you understand where this joy comes from. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe in Christ or you don't believe in God and you want uh, to do a good thing for someone, uh, it's still an open-ended contract. God says, I'm going to bless you if you're kind to my children, if you bless my children, serve them. So I don't know that you have to be any particular religion or anything else for this for for this particular blessing from God, mm -hmm. um, but I think it helps uh, if you understand uh, what's going on, where you come from, and all of those things. If you understand them, it's easier uh, because you understand how the deal works. You help other people, God helps you. Um, if you understand that, it's much easier than just going out and saying, well, today I think I'll be a nice person or I don't really want to be a nice person. If you don't understand there's a there's a blessing waiting for you as a result of that, then it, it may not happen as frequently. So I think this book kind of is applicable to everyone and mm -hmm. not to just Mormons, although I, I try to write this book as a non-denominational book mm -hmm. so that because I believe that everybody... Uh, Everybody can partake of this joy. Sure. But at the same time, uh, I've, I've grown up a Mormon. I've always been a Mormon. Mm -hmm. It turns out that I'm really a Mormon. So <laughs> some of the things in the book uh, are Mormon. And there's there was just no way around that. And so my efforts initially to take some of that out, I, I finally just gave up. And I thought, I am a Mormon. So put it in there. So it's in there. Uh, but it is applicable to everyone. Uh, regardless of what their belief system is. Is it the kind of a book that's like a daily primer where I can do my sort of morning devotional and I read a little bit and then I'm able to be inspired for joy? Or is it the kind of thing that I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to really gain the concept of joy. And I start at the beginning and I make my way to the end. And then I go, I have a deeper understanding of this thing, joy. Hopefully, if you read the whole book, you have a deeper understanding of joy. But mm -hmm. I uh, I have had several reviews on Amazon about the book that they like it because it's so short. Mm. In uh, in college, uh, when you wrote a paper, they wanted you to write, oh, it has to be at least 20 pages or it has to be at least a thousand words or something. And then you go right. to law school and they say, oh, no, if it's more than a thousand words, I'm not reading. And so they wanted it brief. They wanted you to be concise. Mm -hmm. So here's the book. It's 112 pages, I think, 112 pages. And you can pick it. And there's probably 20 different chapters. So each chapter, very small. And so you can read a chapter. One of the favorite chapters uh, so far, the favorite stories is called The Pencil Box. And it's about uh, a second grade student who helps uh, another second grader learn to read. Uh, during his recesses and lunchtime and the teacher's uh, response, his reaction to that. 
uh, who was who was nothing more than observe an observer. And when he told me the story, it's about my son. And when he told me the story, uh, he he had tears just flowing down his cheeks because mm. it was it was such a big deal to him. He was worried he was going to have to hold the kid back a year. And the parents gave him a pencil box, gave my son a pencil box, thanking him for teaching him how to read so he could move on to the third grade. But that's a very short page, a chapter. It's like two or three pages. And you can feel the joy from that. A lot of people have said, oh, that's my favorite story. Or, you know, I can, uh, these chapters are just in little chunks and you can read one and put it down and move on. Uh, but 112 pages, you can get through pretty fast. Most people have said it's a pretty easy read which is what I wanted it to be. And maybe it's partly because I'm a simpleton uh, of sorts, but <laughs> I think it turned out that this whole concept is actually pretty easy. I've got quotes from different religious leaders, uh, sports guys, politicians, uh, all who, who talk around this notion of joy, but they, didn't, they don't really get that it comes from God directly as a result of your charity. They get services important, uh, but but uh, really getting to the source of joy being God where the source of happiness is yourself. Um, I think that's kind of a kind of a novel idea, though so many people got are, were so close to it. In fact, I was in an airport. Let me let me do this. Yeah, I please. was in an airport please. in Oakland and I saw a book on the shelf. You know, they have these little paperback shelves and uh, bookshelves. And I saw Choose Joy. And I thought, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I waited too long to write this book. Yeah. There it is. And so I bought the book and I read it and it was by the wife of a mega church guy. And it actually was a pretty good book, mm -hmm. but it, it didn't get to what, what the difference really was. Uh, and so I thought, okay, relief. Um, I, I think there's a uniqueness to uh, the approach of this book that actually does distinguish it from other joy books. And I was shocked when I got on amazon.com and they, they sent me an email and said, oh, your book's published. And it was a couple of weeks earlier than I thought. So I was excited I got on it. There's like a gazillion joy books. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is awful. And <laughs> I think I was on like page five or something like that of all these joy books. And, and now I'm uh, today, I'm number seven on page one. So yeah, you are. Excited. Yeah, so you are. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. So it's pretty fun. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think I think uh, I, that was a long answer to your question. No, I appreciate uh, it. So I appreciate every every bit of it. Let me ask you this about that. Um, the world striving for more joy. We live in a time, I don't know about other times. I've never lived in another time, but it certainly seems there are a lot of people that are mi are missing joy, don't have joy, are comparing themselves and finding themselves without joy. All all of these things, you know, it, we can, maybe we meander into anxiety and depression and how that could not be joy and all the things, right? The, right. A, a clamoring for it. Um, and, and yet here we are, those who, you know, know of God and, and are able to serve other people are able to have the joy. Do, do we share? Obviously, we can say, hey, you know what? Ross wrote this book. Merry Christmas. Have this book. That's a way to share joy. We can serve other people and say, hey, you know what? I feel, you know, I feel this joy when I'm able to serve you. Are there other ways you feel like that we can share uh, the joy that we, whether we're, you know, Mormon or just aware of where we came from and, and whom we serve, um, that we can be able to share joy with other people? I think the biggest thing is by example. So, 
you go out and live your life uh, serving other people. Mm-hmm. And others may join you. I have a daughter who uh, who takes her, her, her children, two of them, uh, to a soup kitchen uh, once a month, and they go and serve. And I, I think they have actually learned to like it. Hmm. Uh, at first, it was like, what? Where are we? Why are we doing this? Right. Uh, but they now enjoy it. And I think uh, so. I think sometimes just going and doing the service. Um, there's the story in the New Testament of the rich man. Mm-hmm. And I often think, uh, you know, Christ specifically invited him to follow him. And there aren't a lot of specific invitations in the New Testament by Christ for people to follow, for individuals to follow him. Um, but there is that one. And I, I've often thought, boy, if that rich man had could only have followed him, we would know that rich man's name instead mm-hmm. of just referring to him as the rich man. But several people, by example, uh, you can influence. And I think you just go out and commit joy, uh, commit charity to people. And others others feel it. And hopefully uh, they can join in. I, sometimes I think we get too stuck on you know, which religion is best or, you know, within the church these days, we have all these questions about, well, you know, why did we have polygamy and what was the the black and the priesthood and why did that take so long to fix that? And all these different things that we worry about. I have four daughters. So uh, women in the priesthood is, uh, comes up. A topic of discussion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hear it. I hear that. And so the big thing to me is uh, if you can just set them aside for a moment and worry about the essence of the gospel, which is love God. And he didn't say, you know, he he didn't say, now I want to see signs of you loving me. I Hmm. want you to show that love by going out and uh, serving and loving my my other children. And I think that's that's the key to it all. And that's the best the best you can do. It's also significant to note that, uh, as you alluded to it at one point, that you're not you're not perfect at this. Heck, I don't oh, even no. know if you're great at this, but I think that that's a, I think that that is a uh, important factor in all this because how often would we look at something and go, you know, how I should have loved someone? Well, I guess I'm not really, ha- or we dwell on those things where those missed opportunities, or if I would have only done this, or why didn't I that, or my kids no longer go, I should have, and and we quickly find ourselves without joy. How do we, how do you, let me ask you specifically, how do you in those times where you can identify them and go, man, miss the boat there, and then so still I, get on the joy you, boat in the future? Absolutely. Um, I think that it perfectly fits the gospel that this re- idea of repentance and getting better at things. And in Thai, uh, when I was in Thailand, they used the word glup jai siamai for repentance. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, change your heart and don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was like pretty simple, really. It was, look, the past is the past and you have today. And in this world, there are so many opportunities to serve. Uh, something that uh, really kind of changed my life was I had a missionary friend, uh, John Montgomery, and he called me one day and he said, I got a call from Betty Morris. Our mission president was Paul and Betty Morris. And uh, Paul's not doing well. He lives in Vancouver, Washington. And she says he feels bad about his garden, uh, his landscaping, and he needs some help. Can you come and help him? And it was like, well, 
yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I can do that this weekend. Can you come this weekend? It was like, oh, well, I have six kids. I've got little league to coach. I got all this stuff. And John Montgomery kind of talked me into it along with two other uh, former missionaries, uh, Roger Pace and Steve Welling. And we lived in Utah and California and, you know, a ways away and to drop everything and just go that weekend. Um, mm -hmm. Normally, I would have said, yeah, I can't. And for some reason, th that weekend, uh, we went. And it turned out his yard was in great shape, better than sure. any of ours. Uh, <laughs> and Betty just wanted uh, wanted us to be there for him. And it turned out that that we, ha we had an absolutely uh, joyful weekend. Uh, we talked about stories that the missionaries did and uh, uh, how we thought the president didn't know and he he knew and yeah. uh, stories that he knew that we didn't know. And it was just, it was quite glorious. And we all kind of had this wonderful reunion and uh, we went home Monday and then we got the call Tuesday. He passed away. Wow. Um, so could we have missed that opportunity? The answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. Uh, would it have ruined our lives? Probably not because we wouldn't have thought too much about it, but were our lives enriched because of, uh, thinking of someone else's and their needs instead of your own. Uh, absolutely. We were all so uh, greatly enriched and, and there was truly joy that came out of that service. Now, what I learned from that is weddings, funerals, uh, when people need help, I try to get there because uh, almost selfishly, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, this is good for me. Yeah. So were there times before that when I was a mess and I didn't do it? Absolutely. In fact, a lot of them. I can <laughs> think of. Anyway, there are specific ones I can think of. Sure. Uh, but I try now to do better. So when you think about, well, your life is a mess, uh, you can start today and you can just look around and, you know, is there someone that in your past that you feel like you should have called or just connected with? You can do that today. And uh, so I don't think that, you know, anyone is beyond redemption or beyond joy. I, I think it can happen just when you decide to put someone else ahead of you, uh, joy comes. So you can do it at any time. Yeah, beautifully said. I want to take another quick break. When we come back in the third block, there's three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. We'll ask those of you, plus a little bit more about your book and maybe the other book that you referenced. Maybe there's a hundred books that Ross has written. We'll find out all about that coming up in the third block of the cultural hall. I had an email from someone who listens to the cultural hall. I believe it was a, not a lifer, but a convert who said, Hey, Richie, are you still teaching the podcast classes? And the answer is yes. In fact, I have even fine tuned it more than I ever had before. So you might be asking, well, Richie, how do I get on on that? Well, you can always email contact at the cultural hall.com, or you can find me on social media, wherever I'm at Richie T. Stedman and reach out and say, Hey, I listen to the cultural hall. I would love to learn more about podcasting or your podcasting services, a class, a cohort. There's a group of people. I've even taught uh, the ward historian about podcasting, what it is and how it might be a great benefit to people. If that's something that you're interested in, whether it's for your business or just for your private hobby, maybe something you see your future in, would love to be able to help you along the way. You can find me again anywhere on social media, Richie T. Stedman, or you can uh, just contact us, contact at theculturalhall.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Let us podcast together. 
to be clear, this is still a show. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop, and they start at only $29 a month. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember, you can become a Patreon saint. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. We ask you to please put your money where your ears are. Uh, not free to do this. It's a considerable amount of time. Passionate thing I love to do. But we certainly love it to see it when you show up as a Patreon saint. It lets us know that you find value in it as well because your dollars are hard-earned. And when you separate yourself from those, uh, we know it's in something that you appreciate. So go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Ross, a very obvious topic about joy that up to this point, we've sort of danced around a little bit, but we are created that we might have joy it almost is the fulfillment of um, what what God put us here to do if you expand joy out a little bit further. Uh, yet, I don't know that as I look around that I see everyone really getting to, to joy. You think Satan's aware of it and trying to, you know, cut us off from joy? Or why, why are more people not joyful? Pride. Um, so a couple of years, four or five years ago, I had a heart attack. Oh, geez. And, uh, life was... Uh, life was kind of on the edge a little bit. And I had this stupid uh, thought that, boy, what if I go to heaven? And they say, well, did you follow all the scriptures? I, I tried to follow the scriptures. Did you read them all? Well, I'm sure at one time or another, I sure. read them all, but I thought I better read them so that I can answer that question. So the next year, I got better. The next year I read all four standard works uh, together in a year. And I found that uh, pride and uh, selfishness uh, were the two biggest things that were common threads through particularly the Book of Mormon and the Old Testament. And I've never really thought of them as as being so closely related, those two books, but the, but they were really, uh, it was very interesting uh, how, how that was a problem. I think for all of us, that's a problem. Uh, pride and that we think we're, we're better uh, in the days of social media, we read a, a one page about something and all of a sudden we're an expert on it and we can't take advice from anyone. Uh, sure. uh, so all of those things kind of combine to keep us from remembering that God has this deal. He wants us to have joy. We're here for joy. And if we'll only serve his other children and love them, we'll have joy. That's his promise. And that's why I think he's made it really pretty easy because uh, from day to day, we might really mess up badly one day and not do things well. And we won't have joy. We'll, we'll be upset about things. We'll start worrying about things that we don't have any control over. But the next day when you wake up, you can have joy. You can go out and find somebody and serve them. Even if it's a little thing, the last, uh, the last story in my book, because I wrote it, I get to write about something good that I did instead of all the things that maybe I didn't do as well. Uh, as an attorney, I would go from court to court in Southern California. A lot of traffic. I didn't like it that much, but it was a good living and there were a lot of really cool people in the business. So it was all right. But the traffic just never, never relented. And the freeways would get bottled up. And I remember one night I was driving home and I was upset about the freeways and it was just a mess. And, you know, what you're talking about is everything, everything gets so bad in life and you start to feel depressed and down. And that's how I would get on the freeway. So once in a while, I just get off the freeway and drive the surface streets, which meant another hour to get home. But I could at least move. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd stop uh, oftentimes to eat, call my wife and say I'm going to be home late. So this one night I, I saw McDonald's and I 
turn left into the parking lot for the strip mall in McDonald's. And then I saw it was a big long line. I thought, I don't want to do that. So I went into CVS. And when I go to CVS for my evening meals, it's usually Cheetos and a Diet Mountain Dew and a Milky Way. And there you, you know, go. just everything bad you can Wait, eat. you had a heart attack, huh? Interesting. Go well, ahead. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I, I go in the front and it, this is in the spring. So March or April, something like that. And the guy, um, the guy says hi at the door and I walk in past him and I see a young mother. I'm in a very poor neighborhood, a young mother and her son who had to be four years old or so. And he has a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger D, uh, DVD and he wants it back. That's $4.99. And his, his wife, or not his wife, his mother says, his mother says, oh, I, uh, I can't afford that. We, we can't buy. It. And I didn't think anything of it. I went and got my Cheetos and all the stuff. And I uh, looked around. I usually try to pick the right candy bar to eat home. And so sometimes that means I can't decide and I get two. Um, but I got my stuff. I got up to the uh, register and this young mother and her, her little boy uh, come up right behind me. And he still wants the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer DVD. So I set my stuff down on the counter and I went over and I picked it up and I bought it. And I then turned it around and handed it to him and I paid for my stuff and I walked out. And I didn't really want to look at the uh, mother because, you know, oh, I'm an old, old guy, you know, what kind of a motivation is, uh, do I have for all of this? But sure. I looked at the little boy and he just, he was beaming. He was just beaming. So I went out to the car and I usually... Uh, eat while I drive home, but I just sat in the parking lot and I felt really good. And all of the cares of that day, driving two different court cases that I had to argue about, they all went away. And I felt really, really good for $4.99. Mm-hmm. And so this joy that uh, that I talk about in the book uh, is something that you can have at any time. And even if your day is bad, you just have to look around you and see who you can serve and then serve them. And um, that promise that God has made that he will provide you with joy is real. And so in the Book of Mormon, when it says that we exist to have joy uh, is, is true, it's real. And no matter what your circumstances are, you can have it. If you put your own selfish needs aside and look for someone else to help and help them. So it's pretty easy. So let me ask you this. When I served a mission, um, it was oftentimes, you know, that we talked about going and finding the one, right? The one that's looking for the gospel. Uh, and I also remember, you know, quoting the scripture that if it so be that you should labor all your days and bring but one soul unto me. And, uh, and in my mind, served in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, I had the opportunity to actually uh, see many people enter the waters of baptism. And and in that time, I sort of thought, man, I 10x the one way to go. I got, you know, I played I, I played a part in, in, you know, whatever that is. Right. Maybe that's pride based. But I certainly thought well, more than one. This is more than one. I did this. And it hasn't it, it wasn't until I got home and many years later that that I started to realize I think that largely the one that was found uh, to have a testimony of the gospel and truly be converted um, due to my mission service was me. So here's where all that leads to. 
Do you feel like it's possible? Maybe people are listening to this and they're like, I don't like people. I don't want to serve people, right? They're, I'm an introvert. Yeah. Any sort of things that they do. But is it also possible as we serve others who are children of God to find joy that, that we could also find ways to serve ourselves that would also provide us joy? So this is one of the weirdest, uh, weirdest things about the gospel to me. In the New Testament, if you want to find your life, you you lose it in the service of others. So is that the most selfish thing you've ever heard? I want to find my own life. Mm -hmm. And then God says, well, okay, that's what you want. And, you, and I'm going to let you do that. But you do that by losing your life and serving others. So it is one of the weirdest uh, things that I've thought about it in the gospel. I think it's quite wonderful because he says, you know, go ahead and be selfish in the thinking that you want your life. And you want to understand your life and know your life and love your life. But to do that, you have to give all that up and serve my other children. And if you do, I promise you joy. And I think that is understanding that uh, your life has meaning and that uh, it, it's a fulfillment of your, uh, your purpose in life. And that's mm -hmm. what brings you joy in these moment to moment little things. Uh, you talk about baptizing. You say saving, bringing one soul. Mm -hmm. Well, I went to Thailand and I, I baptized two people. Uh, one of them, I didn't teach more than one lesson to. So I just kind of walked into that. Mm -hmm. So there was only one that I taught all the way through, uh, all the way through the, the gospel. And um, he joined the church in my last two weeks. And then I went home. Mm -hmm. I last week, uh, two weeks ago now, two weeks ago, went back to Bangkok uh, for the temple dedication. Wow. And the 50 year anniversary of the Thailand mission. And I was in the first group called to that mission. And um, I was talking to the district president of uh, Udorn, which is in the northeast of the country. And I asked him if he ever, you know, 50 years later, <clears throat> ever run across Brother Boontong. He was my counselor in the district presidency. He passed away just a couple of years ago. Uh, some of his family still active. Uh, did I did I feel joy when I baptized him? Yeah, I did. I came home and I I went on with my life. Fifty years later, uh, I find that he was uh, an active member all that time. Uh, he taught gospel doctrine in the Sunday school class for the longest time, and I thought, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know, teaching him, I had a we taught him who Jesus even was. He never even heard of him. And um, did I have did I have joy in that uh, in that time? Fifty years later, uh, absolutely did. And it wasn't because of anything new I had done. It had been something that I had done fifty years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think I, I think that you do the right things, uh, and that is you help other people, and your life fills. With joy, just as God promises. So also, uh, anyone who has picked blackberries, blueberries, all those things, maybe not blueberries, I can't remember if they have brambles, doesn't not matter. Not too bad. Uh, but you can get, as you, as you, you know, do those things, you can get scars. You can have marks that you remember the pain as you do that. Are those, uh, are those valuable to look at? Oh, but remember the joy? Or are those miss you know mispickings you know we meant to get the fruit and we 
reached our hand in the wrong bramble using your sort of allegory, your example, your parable of this, what are those things that would last on our arms as we're picking the fruit? What, how do we apply that? I, I think, uh, I think your attitude is everything. Mm. It can be something that look at, look at all of the terrible things I try to do in life. Mm. And uh, I'm all scarred up from this. And uh, what did it get me? I didn't get me anything. Or you can take a look at it and you can say, you know, some of these wonderful things were hard. I, I gave up two years of my life to baptize one guy. And yet at the time of the baptism, um, so when, when he was baptized, we baptized a guy a couple of weeks earlier in a canal. And we have two witnesses, you know, for the baptism. And we have two witnesses to watch for snakes in the canal. Oh, geez. And so we get done and we, we're, we're finished and we walk away. And we, my companion and I said to Boontome, your baptism is set for two weeks from now. We will find you a nice hotel pool or somewhere nice where uh, this can be done. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, well, under Powell Freeman, didn't you feel the spirit there? And I said, well, absolutely. It was wonderful. Uh, and he goes, well, then that's where I want to be baptized. Mm. Said, okay. Okay. So you can look at, you can look at all of these things in so many different ways. It's one of the things I think about history. So many of us draw these conclusions from history and yet they're based on perceptions from other people who wrote down the history. Um, you can look at those scars on your arms uh, as really bad things or as things that helped you uh, get to the fruit. Um, we're told that when Christ was resurrected, uh, you could still see the uh, scars in his hands and his wrists. And um, if I think that, if I were to think that was a bad thing, then I would think uh, God would allow him to uh, get rid of those scars. Mm -hmm. But he had the scars uh, as a reminder, not of how mean everybody was to him, but of the wonder of the resurrection and his sacrifice for us. So uh, there are scars. I look at them as uh as uh, your battle scars that you went and you served other people, which brought you joy uh, through the brambles. Yeah. The name of the book is Joy in the Brambles. You uh, mentioned earlier that you have authored at least an other book. <clears throat> are there multiple Ross Palfreyman books out there that people need to get? Would that there were. There are, <laughs> <clears throat> there are two. Uh, this book, Joy in the Brambles, I wrote a book about a decade ago called Two Years in God's Mormon Army. And it was about my two-year mission in Thailand. Um, and I wrote that book mostly uh, because my journal was a mess. Mm. And uh, I wrote from my journal. And a couple of the missionaries that uh, I, I knew and are in the book have read it. And they really liked it. So I think it's a good book. But I, I think, uh, generally speaking, it's... it's um, kind of biographical for a two-year period sure. and uh it's available on kindle but i, I don't have it as a hardback um uh, per se i guess i have i have a garage uh, with a couple of hundred books uh, in it uh, from that first work and i didn't really know how to market it writing a book is uh difficult but then marketing the book is even worse i mean it's terrible sure. i have no idea what i'm doing uh, but it's kind of fun this time I'm older and semi-retired. And so I have time to, you know, try to figure out how marketing works. And I've never done this before, but I, I, I'm kind of enjoying some of it. Some of it's very frustrating. So there's the first book. Um, 
two years in God's Mormon Army that I think is kind of entertaining. But the second book, Joy in the Brambles, I think actually can impact people's lives for the better because mm -hmm. it reminds them, you know, joy is out there. You can have it. And there, it's pretty easy. If I have found ways to do it after all the bumbling uh, I've done, uh, then other people can find it too. Yeah. You can find a link to purchase both of those books in the uh, show notes. So if people Great. want to just have an immediate link to be able to get that, they can certainly do that there. Uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you now. The first question is, Ross, if you could have, uh, uh, no, Rhett, this isn't, that's not the first question. This is the first question. Uh, do you have a calling right now, sir? And if so, what is it? I teach the 11 to 15 year olds in Sunday school. Okay. So that's a little bit, that's a little bit wider of a net than normal, right? Not many youth in the ward. Yeah. Yeah. We have an older, uh, a little bit older ward in Cedar City uh, where okay. we are. The okay. ward that meets with us in the building has a lot of youth. Okay. So, so just anyway. segmented as far as the town goes, you're in the, you're in that part of town, that ward that, uh, not as many younger. Okay. All right. Second question is, is if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Um, my wife says this is uh, sacrilegious. Then I'm leaning in. Tell me. <laughs> so I I would like to be uh, the prophet for one day. Okay. He, he has to work way too hard for me to want it more than a day. And that's only because there are a few quirky things for me that I would like to change. And I know that we're not going to do it. And it probably means that that spiritually is the right thing not to do. Right. Uh, but for me, there are a couple of little things. And I'll just give you one example. One is I, I raised six kids mm -hmm. and we ended up sending them to preschools at like St. James and other places. And I'd love to open up our churches more uh, to the community. And uh, mm -hmm. I think we have a, a wonderful gospel and I think I would like my own children to have more exposure to it on a regular basis. And I would like to share it more. And I think with a preschool, you, you would be able to do it. So there's, there's a interesting, but just for a day, I'd only yeah. want to do it for a day. Yeah. You're like, and actually, uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think the church would want me doing it for more than a day. <laughs> yeah. I it, here, I'll put your mind at rest. I don't think they're going to ask you. Sorry. No, Ross. <laughs> I, I, I leave my number out there for them and they never call. I put my phone number on the back of my tithing slip every month and yeah, I have right. yet to get they, a call. They still haven't called me. The uh, last question that we ask, we ask that you can interpret it however you would like to, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Well, I think it actually kind of goes with this book. The hard, When the hardest times come, I can rely on the fact that there's a God who loves me. And um, so sometimes I get upset with people when they start to nitpick at things around the edges and get upset about things. And I think, you know, it's such a wonderful gospel. If you, if you just take what the essence of it is, God yeah. loves you. He wants to do good things for you. So just do the best you can and try to be kind to people around you, uh, care for them, be compassionate, and then commit some charity and you'll be all right. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, again, find the uh, books in the show notes, uh, Joy in the Brambles. We hope that this episode, Ross, has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back.